Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. It's our last show for 2020. Oh my gosh, Pierre, I thought we'd never get here. I'm Giselle Hannah. And I'm Pierre Morrow. And uh, yes, we're very happy to be here. Very happy that we managed to keep broadcasting through this very different year. And I'm also very happy at a personal level that I'm able to do this uh, last show because even though I've been away on holiday, I've had a bit of a tooth operation or mouth operation. So I've um, got stitches in my mouth, but I can talk. So I'm very happy. So uh, happy at all levels, Giselle. Yes. Also happy that we live in a country where although we don't have free dental care, we do have accessible dental care and we have unions, which means as workers, we have reasonable wages and can afford to take care of our health. That's right. That's right. But of course, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week uh, by Australia Asia Workerlinks and those contacts, Giselle. That's right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We are on Facebook and Twitter. So look us up on those social media platforms for more news and current affairs and political issues from the Asia Pacific region. So, Pierre, as it is our last show, we're going to do something a little bit different. Well, consistent with what we do every year. We're going to do, um, well, the news from around the region, but then a bit of a wrap up of um, news issues from this year. Yep, that's fine. So that'll be in the second half of the program, but we might as well start with the the, the news and I might as well start since I'm, I'm talking. Um, there have been, unfortunately, major arrests of unionists in the Philippines. Um, last week, an international, on International Human Rights Day on December 10, the police in the Philippines capital, Manila, raided the homes of multiple labour activists. In the end, they arrested six trade unionists and a journalist all affiliated with the KMU, the major trade union confederation in the Philippines. Worryingly, the police planted pieces of firearms, ammunition and explosive devices so that now the activists are facing serious charges and years of imprisonments. These arrests on the on December 10 are just the latest of cases of illegal arrest and detention of unionists in the Philippines. A state sec- security forces intensify their crackdown among activists and the labor movement. There have been labor solidarity actions all over the Philippines with an increasing international campaign developing calling for all these charges to be dropped and the release of all these unionists. And of course, as regular listeners would know, the Philippines over the last uh, few years has really been in a a reign of terror under the President Duterte uh, war on drugs and rampant death squads, which um, have killed lots of lots of our comrades. 
And moving now to Iraq, where another prominent anti-government activist has been killed. Earlier this week on Tuesday, unknown gunmen on a motorcycle opened fire on the prominent anti-government activist Saleh al-Iraqi. After he left his home in the Baghdad al-Jadida area, just a few kilometres from Tahrir Square, the epicentre of the protest movement. Salad received six bullets and died on the way to hospital. This was the third time he had been targeted by death squads. There's been no confirmation at who the killers were, but this latest murder fits into the escalating pattern of targeting prominent leaders of the anti-government movement. Human rights organisations are reporting that notwithstanding the new government reassuring words led by Prime Minister Mustafa El-Kadimi, the current killings are just further entrenching decades of impunity, the power of militias and government corruption. I did just want to say on that because we mentioned Tahrir Square in this story uh, just about every Middle Eastern country, Arab-speaking Middle Eastern country, has a Tahrir Square. It has a Liberation Square. It has a Revolution Square. It has a um, all of these words, um, which is so ironic given the political systems and structures in those countries. That's correct. That's correct. All right. Um, we now go to India, where Indian workers at an iPhone factory rioted over unpaid wages. Um, so earlier this week, up to 2,000 workers at the Winston uh, Winstron iPhone manufacturing factor, factory in Nasapura in Bangalore city in central India took action in their own hands when they stormed through the factory, ransacking the offices of senior executives, destroying furniture, assembly units, smashing glass panels and doors with rods and attacked the manager's car. The reason for their anger was that the workers had not been fully paid for uh, four months and were being forced to do extra shifts. A local union leader stated the company operates a brutal exploitation system at the plant with the acceptance by the local government that allows the company to flout basic labour rights. The company, in addition, uh, employs about 15,000 workers, but most of them are contracted via recruitment firms. And in Kurdistan, there are two crises affecting the Iraqi Kurdistan people. In the last couple of weeks, the issues of armed Kurdish factions on the border with Turkey and the economic crisis have both hit flashpoints. In the north of Iraq, where there have been multiple armed clashes between militants of the Turkish Iraqi guerrilla group, Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, and the Peshmergas of the Kurdistan Democratic Party, the KDP. The issues arise from the continuing attacks by the Turkish army against Kurds in northern Iraq and how best to defend the civilian populations. Meanwhile, in most urban centres of Iraqi Kurdistan, including the main centres of Erbil and Sulaymaniyah, large-scale protests have erupted this month against unpaid wages, poverty, lack of services and corruption. The demonstrators have targeted both major parties in power, the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan, the PUK, and the Democratic Party of Kurdistan, the KDP, or the PDK, depending on how you want to abbreviate it, calling for the resignation of their leaders. 
The response by both of these parties have been swift and harsh. There are unconfirmed reports of some protesters killed by security forces with scores others injured and arrested. Yes, this turmoil turmoil across the world, across the Middle East, is something Pierre will talk about in the second part of the show. Mm, that's right. And um, staying in, um, in West Asia, we're looking at Saudi Arabia, where um, Saudi Arabia has progressively expelled many migrant workers this year due to its continuing economic crisis. Activists are now reporting that thousands of migrant workers from all around the world have been housed for long periods of time in overcrowded imprisonment camps. Evidence from inside shows that detainees do not have enough room to all lie down, so that some sleep during the day and others at night. In addition, they have not been provided mattresses, just unclean blankets. The guards at these detention centres routinely beat and torture the, uh, these detained workers with rubber-coated metal rods, leading to at least three deaths in custody in the last couple of months. No medical care is available to these workers, so many are suffering from COVID-19 or other infectious diseases, given that there are not enough toilets, shower or clean water for the detainees. Um, And it sounds like a a total nightmare, really. Yeah, absolutely. Moving now to Singapore, where migrant workers are still paying the price for COVID-19. Again, this uh, situation for workers and COVID will be something we talk about in the second part of the show. But now in Singapore, a recent study has found out that around 150,000 migrant workers in Singapore had been infected with COVID-19. These represent around half of the total migrant workforce, but with more results due to come in, this total will likely increase. While in the rest of Singapore, there were less than 4,000 infections of COVID-19, the cramped dormitories that migrant workers live in made the infection spread very quickly. This was made worse by the government's decision to lock down these dormitories, so effectively exposing thousands more workers to the virus. These lockdowns, implemented in April, is still in effect, even though there is very little infection among these workers. While most restrictions of movement have been lifted for Singaporeans, migrant workers are still trapped in their dormitories and will only have restrictions eased in early 2021. We go to Iran, where there's been further crackdown against journalists. This week, the Iranian government continued their repressions against journalists who report on activities not approved or not liked by the government. Last Saturday, journalist Ruhollah Zam was hanged after being found guilty of spreading corruption on earth. I have to say, I've never heard of this charge ever before, but it's called spreading corruption on earth. Um, Zam ran a website called Ahmad News that reported on the widespread popular protests in 2017 and was also that was also available in Iran via the encrypted messaging app Telegram. In a separate case, the 72-year-old editor-in-chief of Iran Ifada magazine, Kayan Samimi, began his three-year prison term on December 8, after being jailed for inflaming citizens and taking part in legal public meetings. Samimi has a long history of investigative journalism, covering workers' issues, and it is not the first time that he's been in jail for anti-government reporting. So... Um, 
very hard uh, stories there to finish off the, the roundup, but it does show us how the repression just continues. So, but that is the end of the news roundup for this week. That's right. We're going to go to some community announcements and then Pierre and I, you and I are going to chat about the year in review. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs fly on the road and I had like this fist with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. It's our last show for the year. You're with Giselle and Pierre. And Pierre, on our last show for 2020, what a year it's been, going to look at the situation for workers over the course of this year and, gosh, where do we even start? Oh, look, I mean, obviously we've got to start with COVID-19, but I think there's a number of other issues that we will have to talk about other issues but look the I'll, I'll start with COVID-19 and then you you know you can add to it but I think you know the whole thing of you know infectious diseases um, and bad working conditions and bad health, occupational health and safety you know affect millions of people around the world all the time and I think you know I think the latest stats show that two million workers globally um, die from uh, occupational exposure or incidents at, at work. But what we've seen with COVID-19 is an infectious disease that not just affects the poor workers and other marginalised communities, but it actually can affect the, the elites, the ruling class. And so what we've seen is that capitalism, when this happens, says, oh, this is a problem. It's not just the poor workers and their communities and families dying. It's actually some of us. So it's been interesting to see that finally one disease has actually uh, made the, the, the economic system, the capitalist class, go, oh, we've got to look after people's health. But, of course, as we have seen, you know, with the lockdowns uh, and the pressure to work, the people who have been most affected nevertheless have been workers, um, either because they're so powerless and they've been forced to work in uh, very um, unsanitary conditions and exposed to the virus. So a lot of workers, whether in the health sector, in the transport, warehousing, cleaning sector, all over the world have been uh, mostly affected. Or they, um, the economic conditions have not allowed them to, to properly um, isolate because, you know, a lot of us need to work and in a lot of countries they need to work every day. And the worst example was when India 
um, just decided, I think it was in April, to do a total lockdown of the country. And literally hundreds, I shouldn't say literally, hundreds of workers actually starved to death or died from exhaustion because they had to walk home thousands of kilometres. Can I just, um, can I stop so you? It, can I stop you for one second, ahead. Pierre? I just, I know that you're right midstream, but there are a couple of things I just want to point out. So the first one in relation to um, governments or the capitalist class finally realising that through this one um, disease that workers' lives should be prioritised, I don't, I don't know that it happened that way. I think that the, the same people who, um, who are keeping the economy alive, that is workers, were actually just not able to go to work. And it's not that capitalists went, oh, therefore we should take care of them. Actually, these people fought back. And in most of the world where some modicum of democracy exists, I think the agents of this capitalist class, the politicians in the various parliaments or institutions of decision-making were worried that they would get voted out. So a lot of the um, measures put in place to keep workers alive were actually as a result of an outcry. So that, that was the first point. And I, in terms of the Indian workers, the, those that died when they had to walk, the immediate lockdown that caused people to walk from one town to another, which were hundreds of kilometres apart, it was actually over a million workers that died in that. Over a million workers were locked out of their workplaces and their cities and had to walk in the scorching heat and died of dehydration and starvation on those journeys. Yes, it's it's massive. No, no, I, I agree. I think there were there were good points, um, Giselle. So thanks thanks for that. And uh, yeah, look, I was just about to finish up about COVID nineteen. Uh, um, because I think there's lots of other things to um, to talk about, but I think I, th I think where you've um, made the point about you know the, the politicians where pressure and where workers have been able to organise for effect, I think they're very very important points, and we see it um, all the time. And um, which really then uh, brings me to the next point associated is that um, we, Just we have you now seen that. Let me finish off on the COVID point because um, there are a couple mm -hmm. of more issues about COVID that I want to mention before we mm -hmm. move on to what else That's was right. happening in the world mm -hmm. over the years. So we also saw time and time again consistently governments across all um uh, uh, all countries across the world using COVID as cover for introducing um, paramilitary policing, over-policing, um, lockdowns and so on, some of them medic medically related and medically necessary, but absolutely using militarisation and police under the cover of COVID, um, stamping down protests, preventing people from exercising their democratic rights. We saw that in the US. We saw that in the Philippines. We saw it in India, Australia. We saw it right across the Asia Pacific and the Middle East. I mean, we talked about the movement in Iraq, which we'll go to later, Pierre. I'm assuming that's where you're going to go. I particularly wanted to mention Gaza because Gaza <clears throat> with a, a area of 362 square kilometres has 2 million people, the third most densely populated region in the world. 
2 million people, 25,000 of them have COVID at the moment. The entire place is an open-air prison, as we've described it before, with the addition of lockdowns, with the continuing air raids over that area while people are locked down and unable to move. So, yes, COVID has impacted all of us, but a particular um view needs to be had for the situation for people and workers, but people more broadly in Gaza under the horrendous apartheid conditions of Israel. Um, now, again, Giselle, that's the great points and um, especially the one about the lockdown and the militarization and the overuse of police, I think. I, I think it has actually taken the working class movement uh, uh, sideways. I think it, it has, in many places, it left us unable or unwilling or not able to come up with a strategy to counter the increasing militarization and politicization of our, of our societies that have been implemented. And, and as we know, whenever these uh, new acts and new powers get put into place they're always difficult to um to take away so um yeah look totally agree by with all that and i think um flowing on from that is really well now who's going to pay for this crisis um and as we've seen um from places like uh, india south korea and indonesia where they are um put into place uh, new economic reforms or labour law reform. Uh, it's really, um, the story hasn't changed really. It's always the workers who are going to be made to pay. Uh, there's a real attack on our conditions now under the guise of getting us back to work and in different countries it's happening at different speed. Um, and of course, getting back to your point about the use of police, certainly in Indonesia uh, in the last couple of months where they've had big protests, they arrested thousands and thousands of the protesters. And I think when they were demonstrating and they were mostly over uh, breaches of COVID-19 uh, restrictions. Um, so it has actually impacted us in, a, in very different ways, this COVID-19. And I think the issue of how do we organise effectively under uh, lockdown or um, curfew conditions is, is a big issue that I think our movement still has to, um, has to really discuss uh, more. But I think 2021 will be very interesting as the vaccine uh, roll out and some countries um, will open up more how the labour movement will uh, react because I think that the uh, political and economic attacks against us um, will just um, intensify as well. With, with regard to COVID as well, again, not to labour this point, but actually to look at what happened across the world for workers, I think migrant workers, not just in Australia, but everywhere, were especially hit hard, especially mm. with the um, destruction of the civil aviation industry. So a lot of workers were stranded in their countries of work, unable to get home but unable to work either. And very few countries had visa provisions and welfare provisions to um, continue to pay people uh, who were effectively visitors, working visitors to countries not of their nationality. And I think we saw migrant workers stranded right across the world. It was absolutely devastating 
and uh, a, a demonstration, I think, of the poverty and failure of nationalism, nation states and um, people's attachment to nations versus full rights for everybody, no matter where they are or where they've come from. Look, great points, great points. And uh, yes, I, I think that it's a real failure of our, lab, of our labor movement at a global level, how we've left tens of millions of workers totally disorganized. And, and I actually think there are still some large numbers stuck in cruise ships around the world and, and other ships of migrant workers. Uh, but yeah, the whole, uh, the whole situation for migrant workers, which is often bad to start off with, was made even worse uh, during this pandemic. Um, look, we've probably only got a few more minutes um, to go, um, Giselle. But um, look, I, I think that in many ways, the, the, what we've seen is the is the continuation of a lot of the a lot of the struggles. Uh, we have seen some new ones coming up, and I think we sort of have to mention Thailand. Um, the, in the, the, this year has been a resurgence of the democratic anti-military movement. So you know it's it's fantastic. Uh, um, but we've also seen some other movements uh, that were very big, like both in Lebanon and Iraq, uh, popular organising, have really uh, run out of steam for the present moment and are really looking at how to go forward. Um, but, um, yeah, look, I think it's been a really tough year for, for workers uh, this year. I think COVID-19 has made... Uh, has had a terrible effect on millions of workers around the world and also made our organising so much more difficult this year. And I think we, we have gone backwards. Um, so I hope that in two, uh, next year, in 2021, there'll be a new upsurge of uh, worker struggles um, everywhere in our, in our region and the world. Let me uh, let me mention just a couple more things mm -hmm. before we Go wrap up, Pierre, because I don't think we can mm. finish 2020 without commenting on the Black Lives Matter movement mm. um, that was catalyzed by the death of um, George Floyd in the United States, the murder of George Floyd by police, um, and then the subsequent murders of other black men predominantly by police, indiscriminate murders effectively, um, that brought scores and scores of people to the streets of the United States, but had an avalanche effect across the world. Here in Australia, it highlighted the deaths of Aboriginal people at the hands of police at the hands of corrections at the hands of the state. We're walking into the uh, is it 50 years, Pierre, or 40 years of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal uh, Getting close to 40. 40. So next year we're walking into 40 years uh, anniversary of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. There will be an upsurge of activity in this country to highlight just the uh, sheer disregard for the recommendations that came out of that Royal Commission and the ongoing deaths in custody of black people in this country. Um, so uh, I agree. I agree with your analysis that we went backwards and a controversial opinion, I know, but I'm going to say that the Black Lives Matter movement actually did take us backwards a little bit as well. I 
as inspiring as I, I thought that those uprisings were. I think that the dominance of identity politics, the lack of anti-capitalist leadership of that movement meant that all of that momentum and all of that energy ultimately was funneled into the destruction of statues, just symbolism, which I think gutted the power of the movement and a, a year later we can see that really not much has changed in relation to race relations and power in the world um, and I think that uh, as activists we need to learn how to challenge and defeat identity politics I don't think we've we've managed that yet. I think you made a good point there about the, the whole uh, the issue is, is, is power it's how you actually defeat entrenched uh, systematic power structures uh, many of which are not easily or readily uh, visible and are often uh, found in, in boardrooms, in personal connections, uh, blah blah and has all linkages to army security forces etc etc I think that's possibly something we'll have to explore more next year but I did just look it up Giselle it's going to be the 30th anniversary of the uh, of the uh, black death in custody inquiry it was in uh, 1987 to 1991 it reported excellent thanks thanks for correcting that right. um the 30 year anniversary I knew it was a zero yeah yeah um but there will absolutely be some work around that. Our next, our first show for 2021 will be the 6th of February. Before that, of course, there will be the Invasion Day protest. So um, to all of our listeners, thank you for sticking with us this year, a tumultuous year, a difficult year for, for everybody. A huge, huge shout out to 3CR staff for keeping us on air. We will see all of you comrades on the streets for Invasion Day and we'll see you next year. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. That's right, Giselle, and have a, a great safe uh, break. But we'll be back next year with another year full of uh, information about the labour movement struggles in the Asia-Pacific region. That's all from me, Pierre Morrow, and see you in 2021. And that's all from me, Giselle Hannah. <laughs>